the Plumbing Marketing Profits Podcast. Interviews with million-dollar-plus plumbing and HVAC business owners on how they market and grow their companies in today's economy. Hear directly from the most successful leaders in your business and discover what they are doing to keep their phone ringing, trucks running, and businesses booming. With your host, Josh Nelson. All right. Well, thanks so much for joining us. Again, I am super pumped because I've got Mitch from Culpepper Services with us today. Uh, I believe he may be one of the fastest growing plumbing HVAC companies in the country. I can't substantiate that, but the numbers, as you'll hear, are pretty impressive. So thanks so much for joining us today, Mitch. Absolutely, thanks for having me. So before we dive in, for, for, for those that are listening, just tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, kind of how you got into the, into the business in the first place. Um, third generation plumber, grandpa was a plumber, dad was a plumber. Um, I'm originally from Denver, Colorado, so that's where I was born and raised. Um, you know, my dad had a, a little plumbing business out there, mom and pop shop. Um, so I kind of grew up around it, grew up around, you know, the, it was a, a home-based business for them. So I always kind of knew about it. Um, you know, summertime in uh, middle school, high school, I'd go help my dad on the job, um, you know, cut pipe farm and stuff. And it was really nothing I was ever really interested in. Um, I thought it was kind of stupid, really, and you know, hard work. Um, so high school comes around, um, time to graduate. Barely, almost didn't graduate. I just hated high school. Mm. I was so sick of school. Um, I didn't want to go to school further. I didn't want to go to college. So, you know, what's the obvious choice? Follow my dad into the trade. Mm -hmm. uh, so I'm like, well, you know, I'll give it a year or two, see what happens. Maybe I'll like it. Maybe I won't, you know, we'll start my apprenticeship and take it from there. Um, it was certainly better than college. And, you know, it's a, it's, you're getting paid to learn. You can make, you know, at the time I think I was making seven bucks an hour, you know, was the minimum wage or something back then. <laughs> right. So, uh, you know, plus I was learning something. So, you know, you can't go to school hardly and get paid to learn. You're going to have to, pay to, to learn you know that's a great thing about this is you get paid to learn it's a paid paid, paid internship essentially sure um a lot of times you don't have to leave your hometown to do it um you know but anyways um yeah just followed him into the trade and, and learned that way and um you know i i can't say i've, I've always loved it um you know I, like with any job or career it has its ups and downs um you know, people nowadays, they, they change careers so, so much. Um, so, you know, um, it's, I've at times I've just been so sick of it, but overall I, I look at it compared to a lot of other things and, um, you know, I do it, do a pros and cons thing. And, um, this has a lot of pros. It has some cons, but compared to a lot of other industries to work a career in or to start a business in, um, I just decided, this is my best shot, this industry, this is my best shot to build wealth for myself. So I um, have just decided to buckle down and, and go forward on this. Nice, so you grew up in the family business, kind of cut your teeth, got out of high school, started working with your dad. At what point did you transition from you know, working with your dad in Denver to, to what you're doing now? Well, that was, um, that was back, so 2007, 2008 me and my dad were button heads, you know, mm. father and son, hard to work together. Um, so I, I decided I was going to start my own business back in Denver. I was like, Oh, eight, the recession. 
Mm. Um, I'm, I'm not going to blame it on the recession, but, um, it was just me not knowing how to run a business. Um, failed miserably. Um, didn't know what I was doing. Um, I had a house at the time I was running it out to some druggies and some strippers. All right. Uh, and I was actually living in, in, in my van, my plumbing van at the time. Because mm. I was, I had to rent it out to them to pay the mortgage. Jeez. I didn't want to go live with my parents because I had just told them I'm going to do my own thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. So I'm like, screwed. I'll just live in my van. So I, I was living in my plumbing van running calls throughout the day. Jeez. And then I would just go shower at the gym. And, uh, I finally just threw in the towel. Um, I filed for bankruptcy, filed for foreclosure. Um, yeah, you know, bankruptcy. I'm, uh, you know, it's it's good or bad. You know, it wasn't consumer debt; it was all business debt. So, mm-hmm. advantage of the bankruptcy laws, decided to uh, wipe that clean. Had the foreclosure, had the bankruptcy. At that point, I was, um, I was just kind of obviously burnt out on the industry. Um, yeah. Got into some network marketing, trying to find an easier way to make money, use my brain. You know, um, tried some network marketing, and not really successful on that. Um, met my wife in, in Denver. My wife's from Los Angeles. She had moved out to Denver. I've always wanted to come to California. Um, so we, we moved to San Francisco. I plumbed up there. That was an experience plumbing in, in an old town like that, San Francisco, New York, Chicago. That really taught me a lot. Um, Lots of drain stuff to do there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just different old plumbing and the codes and stuff. So I lived in San Francisco for a year. Didn't really like it. Moved back to Denver. Tried to start the business with my dad again. A little, mm-hmm. little bit smarter. Didn't work out again. Worked at Applewood Plumbing in Denver, next star company there. Yep. Um, and at that company, I had a, I had applied a lot of what I learned in the network marketing um, space as far as like sales and persistence go. And at that company, um, I made a, I made like 150 grand um, mm-hmm. that year, and I was one of the top sales guys there. Wow. I'm like, oh, okay, I'm, I'm getting the sales thing down. Um, was sick of Denver, sick of the snow, always wanted to go to California, moved out to California, moved it. Um, actually, take a step back. I moved to Seattle for six months, plumbed at a company up there. The rain drove me crazy. I'm like, we got to get to California. Moved to California. I was so sick of plumbing at that time. I was just burnt out. I think Seattle burnt me out on it just with the clouds and the rain. I just it's depressing. Messed- it can be depressing sometimes, right? Yeah. So I'm like, I need a break. I'm like, what? Uh, actually I quit my job in Seattle. Um, I, I didn't like the company I was working at and, um, I didn't know what I was going to do. I just knew that I wanted to go to California and I had to get out of that, that gray weather. And so I remember I flew down, my wife was still working in Seattle as, as a teacher. And I flew down to LA to stay with my mother-in-law, um, just for a couple of days, just to get some sun. Mm. And, um, the, so the next day I flew down, um, my wife calls me and, and tells me she's pregnant. Mm. I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. I just quit my job and you're pregnant. <laughs> and, um, I remember at saying at the time, I'm like, I'll do anything but plumbing. I was just so burnt out. I'll work at Starbucks if I have to. So I moved down to California. I'm like, you know what? It's just, it's just going to take care of itself. If I have to work at Starbucks, I will. I was just so burnt out on plumbing, like whatever. So backtrack. Um, we had a friend that, um, was they had a business that you're getting people out of their timeshares and it was um it was a phone sales gig so i could work from home and do it um long story short um i did this phone sales gig from him he was just paying me barely anything 
And within about three or four months, I, be, I set records in the company. I, I became the number one salesman. I, I, I set revenue records and um, all kinds of records. And I was making wow. like, uh, I made like 160 grand from home. I, I would work in like I'm working now um, on the phone. I would work in my underwear. Um, I would work four hours a day. Um, and in between the, these, these phone calls I would do to try to get people out of their timeshares, I would go and play video games. That's wow. kind of a break to, to, cause it's an intense phone call when you're trying to close somebody on the phone and get their credit card and stuff. Mm-hmm. That's a very intense phone call. It takes a lot of energy. So I'd go and I'd take a break and play a video game. Want to play modern warfare three in between. Sometimes I'd have a beer or something. To, Just to decompress, but, right? Yeah. So, and I did that and I made, I went from plumbing i was going to work at starbucks making 12 bucks an hour to making 150 170 grand at home part-time i worked like four hours a day just crazy but Can't i uh, with the stick. yeah so i'm like but the company was mismanaged so i'm like this isn't gonna last forever so i'm like what what am i gonna do i don't want to go back into plumbing especially i was in los angeles at the time i'm like i'm not plumbing there place is crazy traffic ghettos everywhere mm-hmm. i looked into becoming a firefighter and the system's rigged up there in LA. If you want to get into the LA fire department, you got to know somebody. Hmm. I did a little stint with that. I, I did a ride along in Compton and um, I was on an ambulance at the time. I was giving this, this drug dude a CPR and they have a thing in his neck and it's squirting blood in my face. Oh. And I'm like, when we're driving down the 405 freeway going, and I'm trying to give this guy CPR and his blood squirt in my face. I'm like, what am I doing? This guy probably has HIV or something. Yeah. It's dangerous. Same for me. Um, looked into becoming some sort of investment banker, you know, just trying to ch- chase the money. Mm. Yeah, this is crazy. You know, I just got to go back into plumbing. Um, but I'm like, I'm not going to do it in, here in LA. So I convinced my wife to move to San Diego um, because it's a little bit easier down here. Not, not as much traffic, not as much ghettos. Mm-hmm. Um, also because the surfing down here is really good. I surf and the surfing isn't that good in LA. All right. So I got to uh, come down here. Um, worked for a company down here for a year. Um, just, I don't know if it's the entrepreneur in me or, or what doing my own thing. I just, you know, I had a hard time working for somebody, you know, being told what to do. Oh, I could do it this way. I can do it this way. Plus the money. I mean, you can only make so much money working for somebody. Mm-hmm. So, um, that was two years ago. I quit that, decided to start my own thing. I've always wanted to start my own thing. Um, I, I was just so sick of working at that company. I'm like, screw it, you know, I'll, I'll figure out the jobs. I just quit. I'm like, I didn't, I didn't have any customers, no customers. I'm like, everybody needs plumbing. I'll figure it out. If I got to go door to door and offer free plumbing, I will. So actually, I, I ran some Craigslist ads at the time, and that kept me going, kept me afloat, and um, started off with real cheap pricing, you know, just something to pay the bills, and. Um, Slowly worked up, started doing some advertising like with Yelp and Yellow Pages. That was a disaster. I think there's a right way and a wrong way to do that. I think I didn't know how to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, fast forward, um, I'm like, I need a mentor. I need somebody that um, knows how to do this, who's done it before. I'm willing to pay him, blah, blah, blah. I narrowed it down to Mike Agliero, um, Ellen uh, Rohr, and uh, Nextar. Okay. I wasn't really a fan of Nextar. I mean, I think they have some good stuff. Didn't know if it was a fit for me. Had a quick phone conversation with Mike Egliero. Nothing like I ever heard before. Decided to sign on with him. Yep. So most of my success, it's really just been um, following him. You know, what do I do, Mike? How do I do this? How do I do that? Here's what you do. Okay. 
boom, I'm going to do it. You know, what do I do now? Okay, do it. Just, you know, it's not none of my brilliance that I, it's just that following somebody that's done it before and just doing what they say to do. Yeah. Um, so fast forward today. Yeah. So that was about two years ago. I started, um, Ryan track for about 2.7 million. I got wow. four trucks. Um, it's just a matter of having the courage to do it. You know, I mean, having a choice, do you want to grow big? Okay. Then do you have the, do you know how to, do you have the system to do it? Yes. Okay. So then have the courage to do it. Just have faith. Like I remember hiring, getting my first truck, hiring my first guy. I was so nervous. I'm going to have calls. Am I going to have calls for this guy? Am I going to manage this guy? I'm like, screw it. I'm just going to do it. It'll work itself out. So um, fast forward, we got 14 trucks. Here we are. I'm just a normal dude. I don't know if you hear the, the kids screaming in the background. I mean, I, you know, I'm working from home today. That's it awesome. It have to be perfect. You know, I'm just like, whatever works, works. You know, I yeah. just, here I got my beds not made in the background. I woke up. I got a, I got stuff I got to do today. So it's my, my, my mindset is just like, whatever you got to do, whatever it takes, get it done. You know, yeah. whatever the circumstances are, you just, you just got to get it done. I wasn't having a crying kid in the background during this interview, but it happens. And this is like with business, right? You don't plan on these things, you know? Yep. So it's just a matter of adapting, adapt quick, you know, what's working, what's not working and being able to adapt quick to that. And it's, it's really not a big deal. Not a big deal. We'll press, we'll press right through it. What's, what's amazing to me is so 2008, you're bankrupt, foreclosure, struggling, considering a job at Starbucks today, you've got a, a business running two and a half million dollars, $2.7 million a year, 14 trucks, you know, this rapid fast track. I think you said two things that were critical, the sales ability, like really investing and in learning how to sell the time you spent in that phone room, learning how to talk to people and sell really gave you a huge competitive advantage. And then the biggest thing is mindset, right? You're, you're thinking big, you connected yourself with a big, a big thinking, uh, mentor that's really helping to to bring you along the way right yeah absolutely i mean i i, I probably would have figured it out eventually just because mm -hmm. you know I'm, I'm just one of those guys uh you know I, i'm gonna get this you know i want to be successful so bad but my thing is like we were talking about before this interview is taking time out of the equation i want to i want to take time out of the equation my my ultimate big picture goal is 100 million mm. so like eventually i could get to 100 million but I mean, what, when I'm 90, 95, like I want to get to it while I'm young, while I could enjoy it, take time out of the equation. So I'm trying to figure out how can I get to there maybe in my forties, maybe, maybe within my, within my thirties still. Right. But, um, I think it's key to find mentors that have done it before. Like I said, I, I could have figured it out, but how much money would I have wasted on things? How much more, more time would it have taken? You know, it's that school hard knocks thing. Like, seems like everybody's so proud that they, they're, they're the school of hard knocks. Like maybe that's good. Maybe it's not, maybe it's taught you some stuff, but maybe there's an easier way to do it. Maybe, maybe you can reach out and find mentors that have done it before you and you don't have to necessarily go through that school of hard knocks. Yeah, absolutely. And so he said something really powerful there. He's thinking hundred million. A lot of you guys watching this or listening to this are thinking a million or you're thinking 2 million or max 5 million. You know, if you, if you shoot for the moon, you have a much better chance of getting somewhere significantly greater than if you, if you just shoot for something across the horizon. So that, that's, that's powerful. Just that mindset, a hundred million uh, that you let yourself go there is why you're having the, the rapid momentum in your business that you are. 
Yeah, I mean, I remember thinking like, wow, if I could just get to a million, that would be crazy. A million bucks in revenue. Wow, man, like that's awesome. And I saw how fast that happened. It's just a matter of having the courage to go forth with it and, and do it. Um, so yeah, like now that I'm looking at a hundred million, you know, getting to 5 million, it's like, I got to get to 5 million quick. If I'm trying to get to a hundred million, man, I got to get to 5 million, 10 million quick. And it's, those don't seem as big of obstacles because I'm trying to get to that hundred million. That's a massive, gigantic goal. hundred million in revenue. That's crazy. That's big numbers. So five million, 10, 10 million to get into that. I know what kind of work I got to put in. Mm. And it's like it, that, that's just going to come because I'm, I'm putting in the work to get to a hundred million. I'm, I'm trying to build the infrastructure and the systems get to a hundred million. So that five to 10, that's just going to come from my results. Just trying to get to that hundred million. Exactly. So let's, let's talk about the, the logistics and, and the marketing. Obviously you've done some things right in order to generate enough calls and enough leads to grow up 15 trucks and then produce 2 million. Um, I always, when I, when I kind of look at, at, at these interviews and kind of what's working and what's not, I like to look at the, at the marketing triangle, uh, message, market, and media. So you have to know who your market is, you know, who your ideal customer is, craft a message that resonates with that particular audience, your unique selling proposition, and then you can figure out how you're going to go to, to market and what tools in the media sphere you're going to use to get your message in front of your ideal customers. So let's just start at the top of that. How do you define your ideal customer uh, in your market? Yeah, it's, it's strange. Like um, the market here, I, I did, uh, you know, you can, there's services like Melissa Data. They can mm -hmm. scroll your list and they can figure out who your ideal customer is. Um, I always thought it was like old ladies, you know, old ladies are the ideal customer. That's what it was in Denver, you know, like women, 50, 70. Um, the, the demographic, what I found, like the person who, you know, was the best ideal customer, it was different in Denver. It was different in Seattle. It was different in San Francisco. Here in San Diego, it's men between um, like 40 and 60. Hmm. So with, with that type of customer in Denver, um, that, that was like my worst type of customer. If you know, not saying they're bad people. It's just they didn't convert uh, tickets well, you know, they were harder to sell or whatever. So here, strange, that's the demographic. So we're, that's the de demographic we go over is okay. men 40 to 60. So that's who, that's who you're selling to obviously homeowners of a certain income threshold. Yeah. I mean, um, you know, I think our ideal customer makes 75 to 125 grand a year. They own a home. Um, you know, we, we can narrow it down to their interests. Like we know that they like computers. Um, mm -hmm. They like technology. They like investing in their home. You know, we, we've looked at all those things on the Melissa data report. It gives us the, the top couple of things that they're real interested in. Excellent. So then, so with that clarity on who your ideal customer is, then you can craft, you know, what makes you different? Why does somebody choose Culpepper services versus the competition? So just talk to us a little bit about how you're positioning yourself, kind of what your USP is, so to speak. Yeah, um, that's something I'm still developing, to be honest with you. Um, I don't think I've been great at that. Um, right now, um, I'm competing on warranties. I have way better warranties than anybody else out in the market. Um, now, I'm still trying to determine if that's important to the customer. Mm -hmm. Because if it's not important, even though if I have a better warranty, if the customer doesn't care, who really cares, you know? Right. So I was just thinking the other day, like Domino's was doing their 
you know, it's we get to you within 30 minutes or it's free. Yeah. What if we can do that? I don't know. What if we if we don't get to you in 30 minutes, you get a free water heater. Mm. I don't know. So I, I, I you know, I don't have something strong I'm doing right now. I'm doing the warranties thing. Um, I got better warranties. Um, I'm still, I'm still trying to determine if that's important to the customer or not. So um, I will change it if I have to. Okay. Because I can't compete on price right now. At this point, I can't compete on price. So and you don't want to, right? You can't grow a successful, profitable business if you're just trying to compete on price. You can't afford to market if you're competing on price. Yeah. I mean, you know, I don't know. I mean, it's like, you know, you could do the, the thing. Like, the, I, there are some big companies here, and they're low-priced, extremely mm -hmm. low-priced. And, you know, when you get that low-priced, I know they're getting a lot of referrals and repeat business, and they hardly spend anything on marketing. But I also do know, um, since there's not enough money to go around, that um, they're not paying their guys as well. So right. You guys as well, it's harder to, to keep and attract top quality, uh, top quality um, talent. So, you know, uh, you know, and then there's, you got Amazon coming in doing these things with the low cost stuff. So mm -hmm. it's just something I'm always thinking about, you know, like how could I gain more market share? Um, you know, I know, I know price is always an issue for people. Um, but at this point I'm just deciding to stick with my price point. You know, I'm going to be a little bit more expensive, um, than a lot of people, but I'm going to try to compete on that, that value and try to stack the value so high where price isn't an, an issue. Got it. With the warranties and this, the level of service that you bring to the table. Right. Yeah. Awesome. So now we can talk about the stuff that everybody really likes to talk about, which is, which is the media, which is, you know, how are you getting to that ideal customer? with that message, with those warranties, uh, what kinds of strategies do you use to, to actually market to generate leads? Yeah. So, um, I'm not going to get like too involved. Like we were talking about before. I don't want to say step-by-step step what I'm doing. If I got any competitors watching that, would sure. be smart. but, um, I think uh, direct response marketing, mm -hmm. anything where there's a, you know, direct response, you know, the, the customer, they need something right now. You know, they go on like a home advisor is, a, is an idea of direct uh, direct response. I need freaking plumbing. I need it right now. Versus like a, a branding play, which would be like a billboard or or something like that. So I think it's I think it's important to have a strong offer and any direct response marketing that you're doing a, a strong call to action, as they say. Yeah. Why should I call now? Whether it's a, a nice strong coupon. A lot of people are doing this this cheap drain cleaning thing. This lost mm -hmm. leaders, you know, ninety three dollar drain cleaning. I'm I'm not doing that. Certainly pondered it. I go back and forth on it, but I try to create strong strong offers on on these call to actions um, for people to call. Why should they call? Here's here's a strong offer. Yeah. Call me right now as opposed to the fifty other guys. Mm -hmm. uh, but most of what I'm doing, I haven't really gotten into like the branding side. You know, like you know, like like uh, billboards or. Uh, you know, radio and TV, radio radio and TV stuff like that. Um, I think there's plenty of lemon for me to squeeze on the direct response side. Mm -hmm. I do a lot of internet marketing, um, pay-per-click SEO. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, really, I'm getting to the point where it's like leads are leads. Like, I'll take leads wherever they come from. Everybody's yeah. plumbing plumbing problems. So, however I can get leads, like I, I do home advisor. Mm -hmm. um, Home Advisor has been great for us. Everybody talks bad about it. I mean, it can be hit and miss, but I've had Home Advisor save some some weeks that would have been really bad um, because the internet marketing wasn't working good that week or whatever. And Home Advisor picked up the slack. So yeah, I would think with your with your sales ability, you know, you talked about you know being one of the top sales guys. 
you've got a unique advantage and that's why you can convert home advisor leads and maybe even Google home service leads where most plumbing companies are just waiting for the person to call in and, and schedule the appointment. I think you, you get the mentality, let's go out and, and close some business. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, business isn't going to just fall on my lap. I got to, I got to go take it. So I'm always reminding my guys, we have to go take that business, but let's do it ethically and morally, but we have to take that business. You know, the person called us for a reason. Mm -hmm. They're obviously interested in us for some reason. Now we just have to take them along this path and show them here's why you should choose us as opposed to somebody else. Yep. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, you know, even sometimes, um, maybe we don't get them for a big ticket or something. Maybe not, maybe not on the first go around, but what's the lifetime acquisition cost of a customer? Maybe it costs me a hundred bucks to get a customer, but if they can keep calling me and maybe let's say maybe the first go around, I only make, it cost me a hundred bucks to get the customer. We only made 300 bucks on the job. By the time I pay the guy and everything, I'm not making any money. Right. But if we did a good job for that customer, they call us back for a, for a big HVAC replacement system for 10 grand, 15 grand. Then they call us back for their bathroom remodel. It's a mm -hmm. lifetime value of that customer. Absolutely. So that's something that I'm, I'm really looking at more um, right now. Um, I was in the mode for the past year of just very transactional, like just get the money, get the money. Don't worry about repeat business. Mm -hmm. And now I'm, I'm learning how important repeat business is. Not like we were going in and doing anything unethical, but it was just like, it was more transactional. Yeah. So now I'm really focusing on something clicked in my head. Like this is a relationship. I got to We got to be in with these guys for the long run. They got stuff. that's always going to be breaking down mm -hmm. Especially going into multi-trade. You know, we, we might not hit them with that big air conditioning replacement right now. But if we can build a relationship with them, build trust and value, we might be able to get them the next time. Or maybe they only spent 200 bucks with us this time. Next time, maybe they'll spend 200 bucks with us again. But if we keep on having trust with them and they like us, eventually we'll get that big, you know, $10,000, $15,000 job. Or they just keep coming back to us for 200 bucks, 200 bucks. I'll it adds it. up. Yeah. Yeah. yeah less money I got to spend on marketing. Do you have a, a proactive strategy or what does that look like for you? Is it direct mail, email, combination of both to the existing customer base? Yeah, so I have like an outbounder um, that's constantly um, following up with our customers. Um, okay. I've got back and forth on that. Like I'm committed to it now because, or as before, I wasn't as committed because I, I guess I wasn't valuing the customer relationship as, as good as I needed to. Mm. Uh, um, I had something click, like I said, within the past month or two, I'm like, that customer relationship is so important. Like how much money you spend to get that customer, they, you have to like nurture that customer. I, I wasn't yeah. getting it before, you know, I think, mm -hmm. I, I think it was cause I was coming from that timeshare sales thing. Get the sale and that's it. Right. It was like a boiler room type thing, you know, and I had, I think that didn't leave me. So now I'm, I'm realizing how important, especially in this business, how important that is to take care of that customer so, so well, mm. and, you know, not saying that the customer's always right, but taking care of them, being a great service, checking in with them. Cause there's three cycles. There, there's, there's the before cycle, there's the during and there's the after mm -hmm. I was getting caught up with the before and the during, and I wasn't even that great on, on either of them. I think we were probably pretty good on the during cycle. Like, you know, the job, doing the Once job. Once you're in there, turning the wrench, right? Yeah, but the, like the before cycle, before, you know, as we're capturing the lead, as we're capturing, you know, kind of starting that, 
I don't think we were that great on that. And then also on the after, that's where I got rid of the outbounder. I, I quit um, sending them thank you cards because I'm mm. like, oh, we got to save money. Mm. But now I'm, I'm starting to see, I was thinking short term, you know, got to transition that thinking into long term. You know, I yeah. think that's what a lot of us fall into is short term thinking. Got to think in the long term. So I'm transitioning back into that long term thinking. Let's take care of this customer. What's it going to do to take care of this customer? What's going to, what's going to do to keep, keep them calling us back? You know, that's going to, okay, that's going to take an outbounder, somebody following up, calling the customers constantly. And that's not always to sell them stuff. It's to say, Hey, we put in that garbage disposal. Is everything working? It's not. Okay. Let us come back and take care of it for you. Or, you know, just checking in with them, building that relationship some more. So, um, that's, that's a big help. But we do some direct mail too. Um, yeah as far as on, you know, sending them coupons and stuff afterwards. Hmm. Um, I'm always finding ways to, to save money, obviously. Is, a, is an email piece, is that as effective as a direct mail piece? Because email is free. Mm-hmm. But, uh, whereas direct mail, I'm paying however much, 60, 70 cents a piece. I don't know what it is, maybe more. Yep. So can we be as effective on, on an email and a phone call as we could be on direct mail? Or do we need to do them both in conjunction? It's just some, you know, it's not like it's something I'm always testing and tweaking. You know, mm-hmm. I'm looking at things to, to improve and make it better. Sure. Absolutely. So, so SEO, pay-per-click, um, home advisor, have, has um, Google Home Services come to your area? Have you started, you know, playing with yeah. those leads? Yeah, Google Home Services, I was like the second market. I was one of the first implementers here. And then all the big dogs started coming in like, dang it, they found Dude, out about Get off it. my leads, right? Yeah, Google Home Services, I was real scared about it at, at first because mm-hmm. uh, I knew what it was going to do to pay-per-click. Um, it was, they're going to take real estate away from pay-per-click and it's going to drive the pay-per-click up. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was real scared about it at first, but um, it's been great for me. Um, you got to know how to work it. I know you did a video on it. Um, mm-hmm. You got to know how to work it right. You got to stay on top of it. But it's, it's, it's actually been a great thing. I thought it was going to be terrible, but it's turned out to be really great for me. Would you say it's kind of similar to, to Home Advisor in that the quicker you follow up with the lead, the, the faster you I- interact with the prospect, the higher probability that you're going to convert those leads? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, with it, you know, nowadays, like with anything, Google Home Services, whatever it is, people are so conditioned to fast speed, you know, with technology, you can get an answer to anything in the universe on your cell phone. So mm-hmm. with everything, speed is, some people say like, say like speed is the new currency or whatever. Like you got to be fast in everything you, you do. You got to answer the phone on the first ring. You got to get to that customer's house fast because if I don't, somebody else will. And so that's part of that building value is we is our speed. We're, we're quick to respond, quick on the phone, make it easy to schedule an appointment, um, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. The thing I like about Google Home Services that they're not doing is they're not doing the lead sharing like with HomeAdvisor. Mm. I've talked, I have a rep there and I've talked to him. I'm like, please don't do this lead sharing with HomeAdvisor. Please just make it um, and keep it where, you know, you just get your own solo lead. And they say that that's what they, they're going to do. They're not going to go into the lead sharing platform like HomeAdvisor is doing. Right. Yeah, unless they, unless they select multiple companies on that odd chance where it goes to, to multiple. Yeah, um, I haven't had that happen to me. Um, as, far as, I've, as far as what I've gotten, it's just been um, if they call me, then um, 
I get billed for that, but I'm not getting billed where they're calling me and like two other guys or whatever. Mm. Okay. Very cool. So, so being such a new company with this rapid growth, it sounds like mostly new media, internet, pay-per-click, um, you know, lead services. Are you doing any yellow pages at all? I did yellow pages. That was one of the things I did when I first started. Mm -hmm. um, I had like three or four double trucks going. Wow. Um, plus their internet. Okay. Um, I mean, I got a good deal. I had like four double trucks and then like they were promising me like 30 leads a month and it was like, I think it was 1800 bucks for all that. Wow. Four, that's four double trucks and uh, the 20 leads. And that's it was, cheap. That's really cheap. Well, that's why I did it. I'm like four double trucks for 1800 bucks and these 20 internet leads you're promising me. Um, it was, I don't know how yellow pages works, but I know for me it was a disaster. Okay. Uh, I don't know if it was the, the local rep I was dealing with or if that's how they are everywhere, but, um, just, uh, the, well, the double trucks didn't, they, I hardly got any phone calls from them. Okay. So I was in the back, there was like six or seven double trucks and they, they do it on a seniority thing, you know? So I was mm -hmm. in the back. Um, we had a nice clean ad and everything, hardly got any phone calls off of them. Okay. Um, and then they promised me the, it was 20 or 30 phone calls. And then, you know, they were, they were counting telemarketers as phone calls. Mm. So I was always having to fight them on that. So I would look at it doing it again. Um, but I, I don't like paying for, I, I prefer to pay for on like a, as a call basis, you give me a phone call, I, I give you money. Mm -hmm. as opposed to I give you a thousand bucks a month and we'll see what happens. Right. I don't like to do that. So I try to negotiate any, with any advertiser I'm using, let's do it a uh, cost per call basis. Mm -hmm. Negotiate that way. If you're, con if you're if you're that confident that you're going to get me phone calls, then why can't I pay you per phone call? Why do I have to give you a thousand bucks? We'll see what happens. Right. You're telling me what the what the your what this other guy's doing, but that's not going to translate to me. Mm -hmm. Like I did a money mailer thing. Um, and uh, they, you know, oh, uh, XYZ did this. So, and I went in, had a similar ad, uh, similar uh, mailed to the same people, you know, and I had, I, I didn't get as many calls as all as they got. I don't know if it was because they were in there longer or whatever, mm -hmm. but I don't like getting tied up in long contracts, you know, and I don't, I don't like paying and I don't know what I'm going to get. I mm -hmm. like, you give me a call, I give you money. Right. It just, That's it just works better for me. Sure. Sure. So, so talk to me about uh, online reviews. It looks like you've got a lot of online reviews in as short a time as you've been in business. What, what types of tools or things are you doing to generate online reviews? Well, yeah, I mean, there's all these platforms out there like ReviewBuzz, uh, Review This, Review That. I mean, I think they're all great. I've, I've tried a few of them. Um, I just decided I'll spiff my guys. So while they're in the home, um, I just spiff them. Okay. You get a review on the spot, you get a spiff. Nice. Um, and I've just decided to do that. I, I try to keep things simple. The less technology, the less vendors, the less platforms I have to manage for me personally, the, mm -hmm. the, the better it is. I just try to keep, I'm always trying to keep things extremely simple just because that's how I operate. Sure. But um, reviews, you know, reviews are vital. I mean, like everybody's saying that's the new word of mouth. Everything's going online. Mm -hmm. I've got some bad ones out there, um, mainly on Yelp. Um, all have to do with price mainly. Mm. 
So Yelp's, Yelp's been a thing. I, I don't know what I'm going to do about that. You know, everybody says you got to pay them to have the reviews stick. So I've, I've mainly focused on Google um, and Angie's list. Okay. Um, I have uh, like 340 reviews that are showing, they don't show on the public Google. They show on, only show on the home service side. Okay. So we've been good at getting those. And then Angie's list, we have like 200, but super important i mean everybody that calls up they say oh we see that you have great reviews mm -hmm. so that's so important to get those so so you don't want to use a tool so you don't wind up paying extra for things that aren't aren't necessary are you having the guys pull up the, the google page on their tablet or they're just kind of telling the customer hey go to a website like yeah they just they, they just text the customer a link so okay. I'll, I'll text the guys the links, you know, Facebook, Google, Angie's List, whatever. And then they're just on the spot there. They'll go, hey, Miss Jones, you want to leave a review for us real quick here? And then they, they just text the customer the link on the spot there. They pull it up on their phone or computer and mm -hmm. they just real quick. That way we know it gets done. Just clean and, clean and simple. Yeah, we, we have them do it on the spot there because everybody's like, oh, yeah, we'll get to it later. And then it never gets done. They have the best of intentions, but they put it off. So we try to kind of push the customer to do it right there. And nice. sometimes they leave us a four star, you know, we do, we're not telling them leave us a five star, you can do what you want, but <laughs> right. You do it. Would you mind please sharing a review right now? Just, you know, so it gets done. Yeah. So probably one of the, one of the questions everybody has is, so you, in two years you grew to 2 million plus, you've got 14 trucks. How in the heck did you find 14 good guys to come on board and actually provide good service? Because that, that's obviously one of the biggest challenges in the industry. Can you talk about that with us for a little bit? Yeah, I mean, I'm learning how important um, people are. Like, I'm reading a book right now, How Google Works. Um, mm -hmm. and all, Like, he's talking about the leader's job is to find uh, good people. That's the later, leader's main job. And um, I'm, I'm still learning how to identify who's good, who's not. I'm, I'm learning to identify red flags in the hiring process mm -hmm. you know it's like everybody comes and they they talk a good game during the interview and they everything's all good but then 30 60 days in all these bad habits come out it's like, whoa where did that come from man right you know, they start having a bad attitude and stuff so you know and i always try to look is it is it me is it is it because of me or is it because of them is it a system breakdown is it a me problem or are they just, are they just uh, not good? Mm. So, you know, like we were talking before we, this came on, we had a guy um, uh, interviewing a guy uh, yesterday. He's supposed to come on today. He's gonna do it, gonna do a ride along, um, see, if, see if it's a fit. So, you know, why don't you come do a ride along, see if you like it. We'll see if we like you, see if you like us. And um, we told him, you know, very important to us that you show up on time. Um, and, you know, first day he, he calls and he's running late to his first day. So, but this, this guy has some traits that we like, like he, he knows how to do leak detection and we've been subcontracting out all of our leak detection. I'd love to keep it in house. And it's hard to find a guy that can, can do um, leak detection and plumbing. Cause right. a lot of leak detection guys, they just do leak detection. Mm -hmm. I don't have enough leak detection calls to keep a guy fully busy on leak detection. Sure. He can do plumbing and leak detection, like boom. So I'm like, I'm at a choice now, like, okay, with this, like, what do I do? First day he's laid on the job. 
but he can do he can do leak detection and plumbing. So it's like this is something I have to really consider now. Whereas before I would have been like, nah, whatever, I need him. He's doing leak detection. Just let it slide, right? Right. But now it's like, hmm, I really need to think about this because I've I've brought people on in the past and I've I've let a lot of people go because you know um, I red flags that I looked past, you know, initially. Um, so that's something I'm, I'm constantly getting better at. I'm, I'm always evaluating, you know, mm -hmm. if we let somebody go, we, we don't, we take it very seriously. Like, why do we let them go? What happened? Let's go back and look through the processes. What went wrong? Should we have not hired this person in the first place? Mm. Um, should we do, okay, did we hire them right? But then what did we not communicate good? Did we have bad systems in place? So um, that's just something I'm always looking at, but finding, finding good guys, good people, office, office staff and, and field help. Mm -hmm. I think that's everybody. That's a big challenge. I mean, yep. everybody knows there's no shortage. There's a, there's a shortage of, of guys getting into the trade. So yep. the way I'm set up, I need somebody that can sell and plumb. Mm -hmm. So I need like the ultimate package, the selling, um, the selling tech, the selling tech, right? So, and I, I've, I'm kind of, I, I've actually, I'm always moving. I'm always like experimenting with it, like having sales guys just do sales, and I have installers. So, um, it's just something I'm always changing. But I like what Mike Diamond says. He's, he says it's easier to find, it's easier to train salesmen to be plumbers than it is to train plumbers to be salesmen. That's true. Yeah. Um, so. So yeah, it's, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I've always got ads out. I'm always hiring. I, I you know, my mentor, Mike Aguilera, he told me always be hiring, always have ads out. And, mm -hmm. uh, he tells me this stuff, right. But I didn't do it. I, we were set, right. <laughs> right. And then we had to let three guys go and I have nobody to replace them. Right. So now I think I learned my lesson. All right. I always got ads going indeed Craigslist. Um, I'm trying zip recruiter. Okay. I haven't had much success with that yet, but I, I tell my guys, you know anybody, you know, we give you 500 bucks, you bring somebody on. Mm -hmm. I have little cards I leave at the supply houses. Nice. I'm trying to get the best of the best, but I'm, I'm also trying to identify what, what does that look like? What does the best of the best look like? And um, it's, it's an ongoing challenge for sure. Well, that's great. I mean, those are some great sites that you referenced there. What, what seems to work best? It's kind of a mix of the, of the in-between or Craigslist and or Indeed seem to be pulling, you know, pulling pretty well for you? Yeah. Um, Indeed and Craigslist, it seems like, like Indeed will work and then it won't. And when, when Indeed's not working, Craigslist works and they seem to go back and forth. Um, mm. But um, as, as of lately, it's been Indeed. Yeah. Um, the nice thing about Indeed, you can, you can um, um, customize like your daily budget. You can spend five bucks a day, 20 bucks a day. You know, if you're really in need of a guy, you can spend 50 bucks a day. So you're showing up real fast. Whereas Craigslist, it's just a thirty-five bucks a post, and you get you get lost in the in the. You got to post every every three hours to keep it on the top of the feed, right? Yeah. Well, and I, I don't post that often on Craigslist. I post like every third week or mm. once or twice a month. Okay. Yeah. Great, great and stuff. I also, I also post in the different like in San Diego. There's like North San Diego, City of San Diego, East San Diego. Mm. So I have to rotate in all of those categories or in all yeah. of those areas. Yeah, and I'm always, you know, I'm always messing with the headline, you know, I, I, I you know, maybe a different headline this time. Maybe the, maybe it was the headline that was bad. Mm -hmm. You know, like right now I got a, the ad says uh, lead plumber in caps lock. It says no on call. That's that's a that's a um, a thing I'm doing to attract guys. No on call. 
Okay. So, you know, when you have that unique selling proposition for your customers, mm -hmm. but I think it's important to have it for um, recruitment as well. Sure. What makes us different? So no on call. That's a big one. Guys love that. They don't have to worry about having to constantly feel like they're going to have to leave at the drop of a hat to go do a service call. They get the freedom yeah. for their downtime. Yeah. So I, I got that in caps lock because I feel like that's really important. I got that in caps lock on the headline. Mm. And I say, it says top pay and I put dollar signs. I feel like something that I likes about seeing dollar signs. Sure. So, you know, I'm, I'm experimenting with different headlines, different, different images I put in there. I'm always doing something different. Very good. Good. That's a great, that's a great tip and a great insight. Um, tracking wise. So you obviously generating a lot of leads. Are you using some type of platform to track your leads and to keep, keep everything going smoothly? Yeah. Details aren't my strong suit. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm using Skyboss. Um, okay. Uh, anybody out there that needs some affordable CRM software, Skyboss, Larry Enright, he's a friend of mine. Awesome. Um, it's, it's good for the buck. You know, there's, there's, you got things like service type, amazing, very expensive. Yep. So for me, at my point in the game, I don't feel like Service Titan is, is worth my investment. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm sticking with Skyboss. It, it doesn't do everything that Service Titan can do. But, you know, then again, I like to keep things simple. So maybe I don't need to do all those bells and whistles and stuff like that. But we track everything on there. And, and it can track. It tracks the marketing. It tracks the phone calls. I mean, it can do, it can do a lot of what um, Service uh, Titan can do. Awesome. Yeah, that's a great resource because a lot of times people will be interested in a service like Service Titan, but they don't meet the minimum threshold. They don't really qualify even really to sign up for it. So it sounds like Skyboss is maybe like a, you know, when you're in that smaller phase, really a great fit. Yeah, the great thing about Skyboss is Larry, he owns a, a plumbing shop. So mm. he, he, he designs it with, a, you know, plumber in mind. You know, he, he's come from that. So excellent. He has that little bit of an edge to it. Very cool. So you talked a little bit about um, Micah Guillermo, which is his program is the is now the Warrior CEO. Is that is that yeah, what CEO it's, Warrior? Yeah. CEO Warrior. Yeah. Um, are there are there other groups that you're part of? Can you talk a little bit about that program and how it's impacted you? Um, yeah, not not trade specific. I mean, I, I keep up with you know. I'm always looking on Facebook. I'm friends with you know guys on Facebook. I'm always trying to see you know what's going on across the country. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not part of Nextstar or anything like that. But one person who has changed my life is Grant Cardone. Um, okay. I on Grant Cardone um, about a, a little over a year ago, under a year ago, and that's the whole thing. I got onto this hundred million thing. Mm -hmm. um, before I was just like, oh, I'm going to do like a million or two and I'll pocket, you know, I'll try to get 20% and pocket the difference. Mm -hmm. And Grant Cardone talks about like margin and like, you know, you, you got to go big because what you're going to get a smaller, a bigger margin, but of a larger number. So right. now I'm trying to get, you know, obviously a hundred million of those margins aren't going to stay the same, but I'm going to get a, a lower margin off a higher number. Right. So he talks about like 10 X and, you know, before I was looking at a million, 10 million. Now I'm looking at a hundred million. So whatever you do, you know, 10 X that. And just his, that's where I've gotten a lot of my mindset stuff is Grant Cardone. Um, mm. Thinking, thinking big and, and going big and going fast and um, not having any excuses. And um, he's changed my life big time. I, I met with him. I did a couple of private coaching sessions with him. Oh, really? With Grant Cardone one-on-one? -on -one? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Wow. 
Yeah. So, um, I just like to get around wealthy people, you know, mm. part of it. I just wanted to meet the guy. What is he? How does he look? He has a twinkle in his eye. Mm-hmm. Like, guys like that, they got twinkles in their eye, you know, like, how does this guy act? How does he do things? He was worth a couple hundred million. You know, yeah. I just, I just resonated with that guy because, you know, he's doing apartment buildings, uh, real estate investing. That's mm-hmm. always what I wanted to do. And he's always, he's a sales guy. And I've always been a sales guy. I'm like, yeah, this guy, I like what he's talking about. So, you know, take my, my profit from my business. I'm going to invest in apartment buildings. I'm going to stack them up and I'm going to get wealthy on, on that. So he was taught, he's always talked about that. So I follow him. We do, uh, he has a thing, Cardone University. It's a sales training platform. Yep. Um, so I got my guys on Cardone University. They uh, do like, it's, you know, it's quick little three, four or five minute videos on mm-hmm. you know, closing techniques, customer service. You know, they got all kinds of different stuff. So my guys on their iPad each morning, they watch, uh, they're required to watch two videos, get, get the mind right for the day, you know, get a new sales technique for the day. Mm-hmm. They watch that and they go out to the, for the day and they're, um, you know, they, they're all set. That's so, really cool. I don't think I've ever heard of, of a plumbing company using the Grant Cardone training in the field. You know, there's a lot of plumbing HVAC specific how to sell. I know Grant Cardone is, is like high level B2B sales, B2C sales. So really kudos to you for, for implementing that in your, in your company. Yeah, thanks. You know, I, I think a lot of the great industry guys, Joe Crisara, I think he's amazing. Uh, yeah. Rear, uh, mm-hmm. Wade. Yeah. I think all those guys have amazing um, information as well. Um, I just like Grant Cardone. I like, you know, anything, any sales, you know, it's all sales of sales. We're selling, you know, one person that's going to transact with another. So yeah. Grant doesn't have any specific, this is how you sell a capacitor, so you sell a toilet, but the strategy can be applied to any business. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, big picture stuff I follow. I, I try to, I try not to take too much, um, industry stuff. I, I'm trying to look at other industries and, and trying to apply it to this industry because I just feel like a lot of the industry stuff, I feel like it's just regurgitated mm. and it's just the same thing being said a little bit differently. Sure. So I'm always looking at like uh, at stuff outside the industry, seeing what, you know, what are they saying in the tech space? What are they saying in the real estate space or whatever? How mm. could I apply that idea, that strategy to, to this space that we're playing in? Nice. That's, that's, that's really smart thinking, right? You know, Look at where other people are, are succeeding outside of your industry and see how it applies. And that gives you a different, a different tact. And obviously yeah. it's working for you. Yeah. You know, I, I follow guys like, you know, Ty Lopez. I see what he's doing on social media. Mm-hmm. You know, okay. How could what he's doing with that? I watch him. How, what is he doing? How could I use that? How can I, how can I use it or how can I not use it? But I'm always looking and, and trying to find angles to make this better. Maybe I can't apply what he's doing or if I could, what would that look like? Sure. Very, very cool. So great stuff. As, as we wrap this up, I mean, this is, this has been awesome. I think people are going to get great value from your story and kind of where you're going. Do you have any last nuggets of wisdom or thoughts for that guy that, you know, maybe he's at half a million trying to get to a million, maybe he's at 5 million trying to go to 10. Any, any nuggets of wisdom you like to share for that guy? Yeah, I would say, you know, if really look at like, do you really want to go to five million? Do you really want to go to 10 million? Or are you just doing it because that's what you think you should be doing? I mean, you could be making great money, just staying small and staying in the field. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. You know, um, I got a buddy and he's, he's contemplating going big and, and moving to a different city because he lives in the middle of nowhere. And he's mm. thinking about moving to Minneapolis to, um, 
to grow big because it's hard for him to grow big in his little market where he's at. Yeah. Well, I think you should really look at that. Are you, are you going to do that just because that's what everybody's, everybody's doing? Is that really what you want to do? Because when push comes to shove and you're ready to throw in the towel, you know, are you, is, is it, are you going to throw in the towel because you really want that 10 million or, you know, when you're just sick of this business and you know, you're, you're ready to throw in the towel, but you, but you don't because you know that you want to get to that 10 million or maybe you really in the back of your head, you don't want to go to 10 million. So when it's, when you're sick of it, then you would throw in the towel and you're just going to frustrate yourself. So I think, I think it's important for guys to really know why they're doing what they're doing. Why do you want to go to 10 million? Do you really want to go to 10 million or, or grow this business? I think there could be great money um, being made small. I mean, mm. I, I, I contemplated back then. Um, I'm a good sales guy. So I could just go out and sell and I'll hire a couple of installers and I'll just sell and I can make great money doing that. And, you know, it's a lot simpler. But I, um, I made the decision to go big. It was more from Grant Cardone. I, I decided to go big. There was just something that shifted in my head, like just with me, with what I'm doing, I want to go big. Hmm. But now I'm, I'm learning like, wow, this is with what I'm doing now. This is a lot of uh, logistics and management and all these things. So I, you know, I, I think about all the time about quitting. I mean, it's hard. You know, this is a hard thing to do. And I've been mm -hmm. studying business a long time, man. Like I've been always reading business books for 10 years, you know. It's not like something that's new to me. Right. But I know that big goal. So when I know when it's, I know that big goal, 100 million. I know what I, why I'm doing it. So when I, when I think about quitting, I don't because I, I go down and I remember what that big goal is. Mm. I, I know why I'm doing it. But if you don't know why you're going to 10 million, when you have that thought about you're thinking about quitting, might quit because you don't know why you're doing what you're doing. Everybody talks about the why. Mm -hmm. You know, you know your why. Why are you doing it? But then also why the goal? You know, is it just to just because everybody else is doing it? Is it because somebody told you to do it? You have to decide for yourself, and I think you have to really look and assess what is your goal. Right. Is it just to be comfortable, make a couple hundred grand a year, or is it to grow something just because you want to do it? Is it because you want to? Uh, make a name for yourself you have to really i think you have to really um have a, a talk with yourself and really know yourself and figure out why you're doing what you're doing mm. that's awesome and, that, and that's a great wrap you know get really clear on where you want to go why you want to get there make sure it's for you right not not just because it's some arbitrary goal that's big and um Tremendous insights here from Mitch, growing from zero to almost two and a half, two point seven million dollars in just two years. Uh, what a story! Going from from bankruptcy to, to that level of success, uh, thinking big, being focused on sales and business development, and you know, I think that the sky really is the limit for you. And uh, your willingness to share and kind of put yourself out there is is to be applauded. So thank you so much for taking the time today. Um, definitely check out Mitch and Cold Pepper, Pepper Services online. I'm sure Mitch would love to hear from you. And uh, if you'd like to hear more interviews like this, definitely subscribe at plumbingmarketing.net. You can hear our past interviews there. Subscribe for future podcast episodes. Um, if you're watching this in the Facebook group or Facebook Live after the fact, potentially, post your comments in the comments. Uh, Mitch will see it. I'll see it. We can engage with you. We can have a conversation about this. And if you get value from these interviews, please just take a couple seconds, go on to the iTunes podcast and post a review. That helps me. And so thanks so much for taking the time today. We'll see you on the next episode. 
And yeah, and uh, one thing, Josh. Yeah, if any anybody watching this, if you want to reach out to me, if I can help you in any way, um, I'm I'm just working on. I want to create uh, value in, in people's lives, whether I get anything out of it or not. So, anybody watching, if if you if I can help you, um, Facebook message me, and I'll help you in any way I can. That's awesome. Thanks, Mitch. Thanks, guys. We'll catch you on the next one.